When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, happy new year and welcome to the today's podcast. I've got a fantastic guest for you today, Dave Herring, and he's a creative, but most important, he's with Western Photography and Creative, and we're going to talk all about the creative process, cultural values, surviving as a freelancer, failing, and an all-around inspiring motivation discussion. So Dave, welcome. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, so... You know, we connected through Podmatch and you, yeah, I love talking with creatives. I'm a creative myself and um, I love having guests such as yourself on the show. So tell us about your story, your experience, and we'll dive right into the conversation afterwards. Yeah, um, that title of creative, I think is like probably one of the most important things I've I've learned about myself over the last, you know, 20 years or so. Um, <laughs> it's real easy to pigeonhole yourself into a creative field. Like I'm a photographer, I'm a musician, or I'm a writer. But when you take on the title of just being a creative, you start to kind of embrace the creating something out of nothing that is within, I think, most people. And so for me, I have had creativity manifest in many ways throughout my career. Um, started off in music, uh, it eventually led over to photography. Today, it's photography, videography, and also writing. And there's, there's so many things that go into being a creative. Uh, and I appreciate whenever people um, use that word the way you are, because it really, it really does define um, what's inside the person and not so much how it manifests. Yeah. I love that because, um, you know, like I said, like my my background is in medicine, but I never tell people I'm a physician. I always tell people I'm a creator and it always sparks a lot of questions. And um, it's really like it's either like how you put things together and, you know, it could be words, pictures, sounds, movies, you know, um, and just basically create something. Right. And with, you've got extensive experience in this industry, the freelance. So kind of share how you've navigated success, failure and how these experience have shaped your approach to your work? Yeah, I think what what most people like that don't do freelance work, a lot of people just kind of believe like freelancing looks like, hey, I'm good at this thing. Let me go find people that want to buy this thing off me, you know, or this, this <laughs> is my, my time. Freelance, uh, from my experience, and it, and it has come through both success and failure, is finding all of the things that can, <laughs> at the end of the day, let you let you own your time. Um, I, I think that's like for me what dry what what draws me so much to freelance work is it lets me be in control of my time. When we think about the way we're compensated in life, we're caught, you know, we we get money, but money's fluid. Money's gonna come into my life, money's gonna leave my life. But time is like a one one time thing. I get I get this minute, I get this moment, it'll never return to me. And so my passion for freelance comes from wanting to own my time. And when you want to own your time, you find every way to make that happen. And so as a right now, like photography has been a big part of my freelance um, freelance career. Uh, but it's not a, if I had all my business wrapped up in, say, one client or even one style of photography and then the market changes then I've lost everything. So I always tell people that like 
diversity in revenue, diversity in services is how you stay successful as a freelance artist or a creative and and not so much try to be um, pigeonholed into this one thing as a creative. Uh, that That is like critical for success. Yeah, I love that. And, uh, you know, because everybody tells you to niche down, but then I'm like, oh, I'm like, well, what happens if that niche changes overnight? You got AI or you know, a competitor or something, you know, if COVID uh, it's, it's crazy just to like, and then I'm always thinking like expansion, like distribution and like yeah. other things. And <laughs> I think, I think the market, it used to be about like becoming a pro at one small thing. And like, then, it, and, and when people want that one thing, they're going to come to you. And I, I feel like here's a good example from like probably 2017 through like the lockdown in 2020, those three years were probably the height of like adventure photography where people would, um, prior companies were hiring all sorts of photographers to go into the mountains and take pictures of their boots or take pictures of their water bottle on a hike or something. And, and like during that, like three-year window, if you were really good at that, you could have a really good living. Well, today, nobody wants that anymore. Like no brands are looking for adventure photography anymore. And so the people that like I have friends that have built their entire portfolio around adventure photography and travel and that kind of thing. Well, today they're like struggling to find work because the market has shifted. People uh -huh. have been exhausted by that. Uh, so that's where like it is important to, I believe, like be your best. Like you don't have to be the best, just be the best version of you you can be at the things that you create. But if you get so market specific, the market is going to shift. That is an inevitable thing. Nothing lasts, everything changes. And so when that thing inevitably changes, you don't want to be left you know, without any work and any uh, clients or anything like that. So you have to learn to kind of shift with the market or um, stay ahead of it. Oh, I love that staying ahead of it. Yeah, I'm always, <clears throat> that's why I love talking to individuals such as yourself, getting the pulse on things and always thinking, getting ahead of things. Um, I love that just, you know, prevention and being mm -hmm. proactive. Um, you're the host and founder of Creative Night, and it's a unique platform for artists across various disciplines. And I'm sure, you know, diversity, what, what inspired yeah. you to start it and how has it impacted the creative community? Yeah. So like in the Bay Area, right, we've got about 8 million people in the Bay. I mean, it's <laughs> a big part of America. It's a massive place between San Francisco, San Jose, the East Bay, and then over even down towards like the Santa Cruz coast and everything. And so we've got all these people here. And inside of all these communities, you have various artists and they're all kind of what I, what I noticed was that a lot of artists, a lot of creators were really like like gravitating toward their own. So for instance, photographers are in photography groups with other photographers and they meet up in San Francisco to go do a photo walk with other photographers. And that's awesome. Like community is is like the greatest thing creatives can achieve. You know, we need community to create. Nobody does well in isolation. And so what I started to notice though is that there are all these little pockets of people all over the place, but nobody was actually taking any like effort or energy to like collaborate across those genre lines. And so for instance, let's say there's a guy who's a musician, he's got an album coming out. Well, he might need a photo shoot for that album. He might need graphics uh, for his album art. He might need um, PR and someone who's a good writer to write up, you know, a press release. Well, what I was hoping to do was get creators together from different platforms, different genres, and start letting people connect with one another. And so we founded this thing called Creator Night, 
to get creators together. And we've um we launched it kind of a soft launch in the spring of 2023. And we had um about 35 creators come to our to our like nonprofit space. We have a big warehouse and um we only met in the lobby because there weren't enough people. But by the next one, uh, we're doing them quarterly. Um, we skipped the summer and by the fall, when we when we launched our first official one in the fall, it was slammed. It was wall to wall with people from every imaginable um creative background we even had culinary artists we had <laughs> we had poets we had spoken word artists we had musicians uh photographers and it was like this beautiful time of networking can, and connecting and then like i host the event by selecting a panel of artists that represent um diversity both in both in people and also in creative outlets and I asked them five questions or so in like an interview style in front of everyone in the room. And we have this like discussion and questions and answers and we feature their art. So I mean, it was a really powerful event. We did another one in December that was also like just incredible. And, you know, it, it's very life giving for creatives to to spend time together and be inspired by one another and and, and think I don't want to, you know, I'm in the Bay Area, so I don't want to say think differently like Apple, <laughs> but like, but you know, like when I spend time with a, uh, with a painter, I think differently. I don't think like a photographer all the time, you know, they help me maybe think about composition a little differently. And, and I think that's a good thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I love that. You know, and then especially Bay Area, Silicon Valley is just but yeah. creatives and it's really it changed, changed the world. Kind of the next, next question is, um, you emphasize the importance of cultural values and community, and you believe these elements are crucial and how they can incorporate these elements in their creative practices. Yeah. You know, like whenever we think about like the creative marketplace there, it feels, it feels competitive, right? It just, let, let's just talk like from the surface level. It, let's say that there's a, a business that needs to book a photographer. Well, I want to win. You know, I want to be the photographer they book. That there is a reality to that. I mean, it is in in many ways commercial work, especially it's a zero sum game. And so, you know, if they book another person, they don't book me. However, creativity by nature is not competitive. It just isn't. Like even think about how we in in like maybe you, you, whoever's listening to this, how we consume media. Nobody has a one just one band that they listen to, one musician, and they don't listen to anybody else. You know, I mean, who does that? Like or watches one TV show and nothing else. Um, or maybe we can get even more specific and says like they watch one movie, they never watch another movie. It's that one movie on repeat once a week. Like that's not how we create. That's not how we consume anything from the from the creative world. We are very multifaceted. We like music. We like genres of music with multiple artists, multiple songs. We have our favorite TV shows and our favorite movies, our favorite authors, uh, games, whatever it is. And when you start to think about yourself as a creative and how in reality, everybody is a consumer of a vast range of creativity you really start to see that like there's way more value in collaboration than there is over competition. And, and that, that is just one example of like a cultural value that um, that's important to me is collaboration over competition. Uh, we, we, we really push that with creator night as well. Like, like creativity, like it's like whenever the water rises and art gets valued. So let's go back hundreds of years ago to the Renaissance during the Renaissance, you had great art um, changing the world. And when people began to love that art, it, the waters rose and it rose all of the artists together, which is why you can go to the Uffizi Art Museum in Florence and see 
incredible pieces from dozens of artists, or you can go to uh, different museums all over the world and you can see from that time period how many sustained creations we have from that period and even the great composers that came after that period. I mean, so when the waters rise in our culture, you get a deeper appreciation for all artists and all arts. And so I believe that positive cultural values for creatives raise the water. So collaboration over competition. I, I'm a big believer in generosity um, as a cultural value for creators. Like not everything needs to be monetized. And the more we can um, help and inspire others or give our art away in, in when it's appropriate to, I think it just makes our culture better. Um, and I have personally, I have many stories where I did something that I felt moved to do uh, out of a generosity cultural value um, that I got major, major bookings from that I did not expect or anticipate, nor did I do it for that reason. But some of my biggest clients and biggest contracts came because of something that was done from a positive cultural value and not for the sake of a paycheck. Mm, yeah, I love that. Because, uh, you know, what I love is like, you know, you put two creatives together, doesn't equal two, it, it's like four, eight, it becomes exponential. Mm -hmm. um, and it's basically, you know, this, it's a different concept of value. It's not a monetary value. It's more just like this um, social perceived value, which can be more than the monetary. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, kind of picking back off that idea, you have a diverse range of outputs, you photography, writing, how do you balance these different mediums and how do you know when to use what and what advice do you give to the creatives listening to these um to this show? I, I think it's very contextual to the individual. For me, I I'm a lot of things, right? I'm a creative, I'm also a father, I'm a husband, um, I've got responsibilities in life and all these things. And so I have to kind of pick and choose what is a like sustainable for me in a season and be what is also like giving me life. Um, and I'll start by sharing this, like there's this concept of like, when we think of like, we, we, as people, we need rest. Right. Um, and I'm not talking like just sleep, like rest restores our soul. It restores our being. And, um, and that's why, you know, we currently work what five days and we have two days off. Right. Um, we need to rest, but the concept of rest um, I think is a little broken in our society. We tend to think of rest as like um, being something like I'm going to completely check out. I'm going to I'm going to binge watch a show. And I'm not going to do anything. I'm spending the whole day on the couch. I'm going to call that rest. Um, for me, rest looks like, and this is something I've learned over the years. Rest looks like doing things that fulfill me, doing things that recharge me. And sometimes that looks like a 5 a.m. sunrise hike. It doesn't feel restful, but that recharges my soul. So um, where I was going with all that is that I pick and choose sometimes my creative outlet by which one is most restful for me. Um, so for instance, like I would say photography is pretty much a constant because that's part of my career um, in videography these days as well. But I am a musician. Um, I've got a music project always going on with some friends or like I'll go through a season where a buddy of mine will get inspired to, to work on a project and we'll just collaborate because he's on the East Coast and I'm on the West Coast. And so he'll fly out a few times. We'll make some music and write something, record something. And we never market it. We never put it out there, but we make it for us. Right. And so 
And there are those seasons where music is restful for me and I need that. And so um, I'll elevate that. And there's uh, there are times like in 20, late 2018 into 2019, I was working on a book. Um, I was writing about um, a, my own, a personal um, journey that I went through, kind of discovering um, the healing nature of beauty in, in, in places that are untouched by man, like, you know, some of our national parks. And uh, in doing that, I was spending 5.30 a.m. to 8.30 a.m., three hours a day, about four days a week at a coffee shop, right when they first opened, writing. Oh. And that was restful for me in that season. Oh. Um, that was very life-giving for me. Uh, and even though I was getting up early, but that it was like that three hour block of time, uh, four days a week or so was very life giving for me. Yeah. So that's kind of how I pick and choose what I've what I've got my hands on or my my head or my heart on. It's like what is giving me life right now? Like what what is restoring my soul? What is helping me rest? Yeah. And interesting. Because, and you know, like you said, um, it's kind of def- predefined, you know, they give a two day weekend or or you have like a week long vacation and you know sometimes people just need like a um a walk in nature 30 minutes and that's rest um for some it's like maybe a week off or for mm-hmm. some it's like doing something creative such as yourself so um kind of ended off because um you've you know you've got this uh, creative and then you've had a really interesting background and how do you um how has your background contributed to your creative process and life philosophy yeah, I mean, like when we when we say background, we often think of like what is what is our story or what is our experiences. Um, you know, life is kind of two part. You know, it's nurturing nature. We have, or, or maybe we can say it like this: like a lot of our background is hands we were dealt, and then there's also <laughs> decisions that we made that yeah. that, you know, that that we we do and we control in some ways our own destiny. So I think, you know, when I think about my background, um, the hands that I was dealt, I, I played as best I could, did not win them all. But I think at the end of the day, like our backgrounds, whether we have a traumatic story or we have a very like easy story, I don't think anyone has an easy story, but, you know, let's just be on two opposite ends of the spectrum here. I think at the end of the day, uh, everybody needs to try to make the most out of their life and their time. And so I have had a lot of privileges in my life um, that others don't get. I recognize that as a as an American citizen compared to people maybe in in other nations or as, as a man, as a male. Like I recognize I've had privileges as a white male. I recognize I've had privileges. Like I've had a lot of privileges, but I've also had a lot of adversity. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of things that did not go my way or things that, you know, like the cards were against me. But I try not to let any anything be an excuse on why I'm not in a certain place. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as my like my own creative life and everything, I try. And I, this is one of my cultural values. I try to live by this: is that uh, I want to maximize me. I don't have to be the best, but I want to be my best. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I have limitations. My my brain is going to be limited. My physical, I can't go lift uh, five hundred pounds. Like I have, I have physical limitations. I got mental limitations, and I have like time limitations, monetary limitations, mm-hmm. but. I can survey who I am, what I have at my disposal, what I'm physically able to do, mentally able to do, spiritually able to do, whatever. And I can assess what does it look like to be my best? Mm-hmm. Like when I am at 100%, what does that look like? And, and with my backgrounds, my background, like with my family or my background and my my all, all the things that I have failed at, all the things that I've, I've succeeded at, whatever we want to say there. My goal is always, um, how can I be my best version of me? 
Yeah. And then, and then letting myself live that out. And then I, I do this process where like, I kind of self-evaluate and I use these four principles here, these four like categories, I'll call them. Um, and this is not anything I created, by the way, this is very common, <laughs> but <laughs> what went right, what went wrong, what, what, what was confusing and what was missing. Mm-hmm. And I, I use that a lot in every, every job that I have. Um, I even use it to take inventory of where I am personally, um, what's going right, what's going wrong, what's confusing and what's missing. And if you really break those down, you see that one of them is positive and three are kind of negative, but the positive ones, you know, like I want to affirm those things, like what's going right, right now for me personally, what's going right with that job I just did. I just, what went, I, my last creator and I, what went right, what went wrong, what was confusing, what was missing. And the goal is that in all these areas, you take what was right, you affirm it, you fix what was wrong, you clarify what was confusing, and you add what was missing. Uh-huh. And I feel like that that no matter what our experiences are, if we begin to take inventory of those experiences and we and we begin to assess them, we can start to kind of even shape the future outcomes. Um, and the the other thing that could happen is that we don't take inventory. We don't assess those things, and then we get into like almost like a data loop where we start uh-huh. to repeat the same ones and zeros over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then we're never going to be our best version of ourselves. Mm-hmm. So I think that like all the experiences that I've had in life, career, success, failures, all of these things, I think that ultimately they have, they have affected my creative life. They've affected my career because I will proactively take inventory of them and assess them and, and then make whatever changes need to be made for tomorrow. Yeah. Oh man, that's very powerful and very inspirational. I love that. It's kind of like you're always finding ways to to basically take stock in yourself and and basically put out you know the the value that you 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 that you can. Um, how can people find out more about you? You're very very intriguing, and um, I'm sure people want to oh, find out you. more about you. Um, I years ago secured the coolest domain ever for a guy named Dave. I was able to buy dave.online. You remember whenever years ago it was everything was .com and then all of a sudden they released like a hundred other dots. Well, yeah. things were super cheap back then. So I got dave.online for like 30 bucks and I've had it for many years. So you can, anyone listening can just type on their browser dave.online and you will find my personal website that links to things from my YouTube channel to uh-huh. my photography galleries to Instagram, social media, music, whatever you want. It's all it's all linked to from dave.online. Oh, cool. Awesome. I definitely want to check that out. And um with uh and all for all the audience out there, let's thank uh Dave for this really awesome conversation. Um be sure to give him a follow on his socials and check out his work. And with that, thanks so much for coming on to the podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was awesome.